Good to see you all this morning. Did you come by car or by boat this morning? Which one was it? Uh, sailed in? You know, when we come over that bridge from the island uh, earlier this week, I thought, wow, maybe there's going to be another flood, you know? I mean, I know God said he's not going to judge the earth by flood again, but it was, there was a lot of water, so... Um, it's good to see you all here. It's great to see you all here. If you have a Bible with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, we're in verses 8 through 19 today as we continue through uh, the book of Hebrews. And we're far from done, even though we're in the 11th chapter. Uh, I never like to hurry through a book. I want to get everything that God wants us to get out of every verse in whatever book we're, we're going through. And uh, today we're in a, chapter 11, verses 8 through 19. And Father, thank you so much for Tessa's prayer and for her prayer for our church and for our search team and for just so many other things and for her desire and our, to have our church be passionate for Christ and, and be in his word. And Father God, um, thank you for, for those exhortations through prayer. And Lord, as we go into your word this morning, um, it's a mystery as to what you're going to say today. It's a mystery as to who you're going to say it to. And everybody here, here comes in with needs and issues, but there are so many of them are different. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would talk through us, to, talk through me rather today, and use me as an as a in, instrument, a tool, a conduit for whoever you want to minister to today in, in whatever way you want to minister to them. Because this is your church, and you know all of us deep down inside. You know who we are, what we're about, where we're going, where we've been, and uh, you just know us, and so you know how to talk to us, me included. And uh, so do that. Uh, bring glory to yourself, Lord, and bring us blessing uh, for, for this day and this week. And we love you, Lord, and, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today we're continuing our, our tour of what we've been calling uh, Faith's Hall of Fame or God's Hall of Faith uh, in Hebrews 11, the great, known as the great faith chapter. And um, we come to the ultimate example of faith in the Bible, and that is Abraham. Abraham is the mountaintop, the model of faith, uh, the father of the Jewish people, but also uh, really the father of faith for all of us as Christians today. And he is lauded throughout the scriptures, as I'm going to share with you here in a moment. He is lauded in the Old Testament. You probably haven't heard a verse taken out of Nehemiah in a long time, but Nehemiah in chapter 9, verse 7 says, You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You found his heart faithful to you, and you made a covenant with him to give to his descendants the land of the Canaanites. Nehemiah, amongst many Old Testament saints, talked about the great faith of Abraham. Stephen, the first martyr, shortly just before he was put to death for his faith in Christ in uh, Acts chapter 7, said this in, at the beginning of his defense. He said, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So that's the first thing Stephen said before he was martyred. 
And so you have a lot of, I want to mention this actual statistics here in a moment, but you have a lot of people, saints in the Old Testament talking about Abraham, and lots in the New Testament. Paul referred extensively to the faith of Abraham, and I'll read some verses later about that. James, in his little epistle, called Abraham the friend of God. And how many has, have not sung, Father Abraham had seven sons, right? And how many have or have had kids that have sung that in junior church or vacation Bible school or Sunday school? Father Abraham had seven sons. And so Abraham really is a very special person in uh, the, the Word of God when it comes to faith. Actually, I read this um, over, th- and I didn't count, but someone probably will after I say this, over 30% of the book of of, of Hebrews chapter 11 is devoted to Abraham. Think about that. The great chapter on faith, and 30% of it's devoted to one guy, and his name is Abraham. And uh, a couple of other little tidbits here. He's mentioned by name in 16 of the 39 Old Testament books and 11 of the 27 New Testament books as an example of faith. Now, before we get into the text today, let's just get this said and done. Abraham messed up really, really well a few times. He really, he really, um, how do I put this uh, nicely? He uh, blew it. So he wasn't a perfect guy, which is good news to you and I because neither are we, but he had great faith. And so we're going to talk about his great faith today as we go. And if you want to read the whole story, because I don't have time to go through the whole story, you want to read Genesis 12 through Genesis 25, you'll get all the details. I can only offer you a few this morning because of time. But um, the title of the message today is Learning About Faith from Father Abraham. Learning About Faith from Father Abraham. Let me just say this, uh, guys. Uh, God wants us to be people of faith. God wants you and I to be people of faith. Faith. He actually said, the just shall live by faith. He wants us to live by faith. He wants us to be people of faith. Why? Because he wants glory from his church, and he wants us blessed. God wants you encouraged. And he wants me encouraged. And one of the greatest ways to be encouraged is to live by faith. Okay? And that's why he gives us this example of faith from Father Abraham. So... We're going to talk about this. What can we learn about faith from Abraham? Okay. Well, I'm going to give you five things we can learn this morning from, about faith that I hope will apply to our own lives about Father Abraham in this passage. And uh, we start in verse 8. The first thing that we can learn about faith from Father Abraham to apply to our lives is this. Faith, or trusting God, and I'll, I'm, going to, I'm just going to elaborate on what this means, Faith or trusting God, declaring to God verbally or from our heart that we trust him in faith to be true to his promises. I'm going to say that. Faith enables us to face our unknowns or deal with our unknowns. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How many people could say that about our lives? I don't know where I'm going. 
I don't even remember where I've been. I mean, this is great. Faith enables us to face or to deal with our unknowns. Now, I'm going to pose a question here this morning. What are your, what unknowns, I should say, are you facing? What unknowns are you facing this morning? Because we all constantly face unknowns. In fact, I wrote this in the margin of my sermon here. My unknowns seem to outnumber my knowns. That's for me. You, you guys probably have it more together than I do, but sometimes I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm swimming in unknowns. Okay, what's an unknown? This is what an unknown is. Unknowns are the things that make us say or think the following. What am I going to do about this? Or, I don't know what's going to happen. Or, how am I going to deal with this? Or, this is one of my, my unknowns all the time. I don't know which way I should go. I really don't. Now, in Abraham's case, and I, I have the Old Testament scriptures about Abraham uh, here, but I don't feel like going back there and reading Genesis all, all during today because we just don't have time. And I know that, that it would just take too long. But Genesis 12 through 25, Old Testament, I may go back there briefly, but... But in verse 8, we're told that Abraham was called to go to a place that he would, check it, later, later receive as in his inheritance. And what did he do? He said, God, I'm not going to you give me all of the details. Oh, I'm sorry, that's not in the text, is it? He, he would later receive as an inheritance. And what did he do? Even though he didn't have the whole picture ahead of him, he obeyed God. And he went even though he didn't know where he was going. So let's think about that. Abraham was called to go from his home in Ur, a pagan city in what is now considered um, southern Iraq, to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, the promised land. Genesis 12, 1 through 5. We're just going to not go there, but take it for granted that's where it says that. And I love what happens here. What does he do? Again, he doesn't say, well, I want all the details. He's, he instantly obeyed God. Now, I'm going to pose a question to you before we go to point number two. What do we do when we don't know where God is leading us? What do we do when we face unknowns, when we're feeling our way through the dark about a particular issue or event in our lives? What do we do? Well, we need to do what Abraham did. Exactly what Abraham did. Take note. First of all, he resisted having to get the whole picture. You do not hear Abraham saying, I'm not budging out of Ur till I get all the details. You don't hear that one bit. And by the way, does God ever give us all the details about anything? If he did, we'd be spoiled brats, wouldn't we? We would just say, thank you, God, I'll call you when I need you. And that's why, listen closely, guys, that's why God's taking you incrementally through your situation right now. That's why you and I are going through our situations incrementally. God takes us through our situations incrementally to keep us dependent on him otherwise we probably wouldn't be at least speaking for myself god usually doesn't give everything to us all at once he wants us depending on him but secondly i i i, I think we, we what we need to understand from um 
uh, Abraham is, when we're, we're, we're seeking to deal with our unknowns, just obey God in what God has told you to do. Okay? What you, just do what you already know is God's will. Whatever rope God has let out, just take that rope and go with it. He's not going to give you the whole rope. Just obey what you already know. As much of his will as you know about the situation, do that. And when he's ready, he'll give you the next step. And that's what Abraham did. And as he obeyed God incrementally, God gave him more to deal with his unknowns, whatever yours is or whatever mine is. This is the faith life, and I love it because every time, by the grace of God, I obey him in the information that he has given me up to that point, what does he do? He gives me more until the resolution comes. But he's probably not going to give it all at once because he has things he wants to teach us. In the meantime, I'll get to that later. But let's get to the, the main punch in the gut in this, uh, this point here. And that we find here at the end of the verse, in verse 8, for, for even though he did not know where he was going. That's why he's the man of faith. Because he obeyed God even though he didn't know where he was going. And some of us, we say, I'm not moving till I know where I'm going. <laughs> but not Abraham. You want to learn about faith, it's right here. Okay, when facing unknowns, none of us is going to know totally where we're going until God's ready to show us. And that includes all the unknowns that we face, people, the job unknowns, the career unknowns, the school unknowns, the purchase unknowns, the financial unknowns, the relationship unknowns, the decision unknowns. God says, trust me in faith and I'll take you to the point where you need to go and then when you trust me to do that, I'll give you more. And some of us here today just need to do what God has told us so far and then wait for him to give us more. And you know, listen, I, if I seem a little bit excited about this it's because I'm starting to learn this a little bit. Just at the point when you've done what he told you, then all of a sudden these doors swing open and he gives you the next step. I expected just a little bit more excitement about that this morning, okay? Because <laughs> I'm excited about it. Because I'm watching it happen in my own life. And the hardest part is to trust him and have faith in him. But it works. That's what's really neat about this. Now, why is, what does faith do when we face our unknowns with it? Faith, when we connect our, uh, our unknowns with faith in God, it connects us into or with the God who knows what? Everything. God knows everything. He knows where we should go, what we should do, how it should be done, when it's going to be accomplished. And as we express faith, we're connecting with a person that knows the beginning from the end. That's what makes it so great about it. Faith, living the faith life. As Christians, our philosophy needs to be, I may not know what the future holds, but I know I have faith in him who holds the future and I'll obey him until he leads me further. It's really great stuff. Too bad the Bible doesn't apply to our lives, right? I mean, not at all. Second thing we need to learn, or we can learn about faith from Abraham, not only does faith 
declaring to God, I trust you, I believe you. I'm having a hard time, God, believing you. It's not easy. I feel like I'm being dragged through an outhole backwards. But I trust you, even with faith of a grain of a mustard seed, I'm going to trust you, God. I am going to put my foot down. I'm going to drive an anchor into the ground, and I'm going to trust you to lead me. It's hard, isn't it? Anxiety takes over. Worry tries to take over. We ought to break through that in faith. Secondly, the second thing we can learn about faith from Abraham is not only does faith enable us to face the unknowns, faith enables us to trust in God's timing. And if you can't say amen, just say ouch, okay? Verse 9. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a, this is Abraham, in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same proms. It's interesting here that the life of faith teaches us that God's time is not always our time. Have you found that out yet? You know, I, I think we've all found that out. But we gotta trust him anyway. And Abraham made it to the land of promise, but he and his family didn't really settle in, uh, on, down in it, really. It says it here, Abraham was like a stranger in a foreign country, and he, along with his sons Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise, lived in tents. You gotta understand that, that God put that there for a reason. In other words, the final chapter didn't come right away. As transients in the land that ultimately they were promised to receive, they had to be patient and wait and wait and then wait some more. Wait in a place that they didn't fit in. Wait in a place that they didn't believe the same things. Wait with, in the middle of polytheistic pagans all around them until they received uh, the promise of possession. Uh, Hebrews 6.12, we covered it a month ago, says it is through faith and patience that we inherit the promise. Patience. And let's face it, can we not say that we are all waiting for something? Again, crickets, you know, but still. I believe that. I, in fact, I know it's true. I was, when I was composing this sermon, I knew this was true because we're all waiting for something, just like Abraham. We're all waiting for something to be resolved or received or clarified for some kind of guidance or provision or direction or deliverance. What are you waiting for today? What, what has you in God's waiting room? Every one of us has something. We're waiting for that resolution. And these in-between times between our prayer and God's answer are the hardest times for Christians. The time between the request and the resolution is a hard time. And we've prayed, but we don't see results. We, we can't sense any movement. And sometimes, if we're not careful, discouragement and doubt can creep in. What, we, what do we need to remember? That God is sovereign. And he's, he has perfect timing for you to fully possess the land. And while he has us in his waiting room, he's doing things, all kinds of things, stretching our faith and our patience, uh, deepening our faith, um, 
increasing our dependence on him or whatever else he's doing. And Abraham waited because he believed in faith that God had perfect timing, and he did. I'm reading through the book of Ruth right now. Have you ever read the book of Ruth? I love that book. I mean, Naomi gets slammed, and Ruth gets slammed. They lose their spouses, and they're starving, and there's a mess, and it hurts. But it says God is sovereign. God is sovereign. And they travel back to the land that, they, uh, that Naomi grew up in. And it says the barley harvest was just starting. And it's so cool because there's a mess and God's sovereign and then God opens the door to food and to marriage and to all sorts of great things. A mess, God's sovereign, there's a resolution. A mess, God's sovereign, in his time there's a resolution. I'm having a ball in Ruth. And that's what's going on with Abraham. It's tough. God's sovereign, there's a resolution. That may describe what you need to hear this morning. Number three, faith, declaring to God that we have faith in him, even if it's as a grain of a mustard seed, enables us to see God turn the impossible into reality. Oh no, you're, at, you're thinking, he's not gonna go into that name it and claim it and blab it and grab it stuff, is he? Is he gonna go into that prosperity gospel, that, that faith, word faith stuff? Yes, I am. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Don't worry. But yet, there is an element of truth in ex exercising faith and bringing something into reality. So let me explain. The story here in verses 11 and 12 repeats itself twice. It's so important. Let's read it. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came, I love that, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as sand on the seashore. And all these people were still living by faith when they died. And I'll just, I think I'll just stop there. Um, now, this isn't found in Genesis 17, 15 through 17. I'm not going to go back there because I know it's going to happen. I'll just preach forever. And I really do want to make this as concise as possible. Genesis 17, you want to read, but the story is retold here in, what, two verses. And it's such a good story, it's told twice. Let's look at it. Because faith enables us to see God turn the impossible into reality. It is not a mistake that these two verses are here for you this morning and me. The first part is in verse 11. Abraham, it says, was past age. How old was Abraham when he had Isaac? A hundred years old. All right? Sarah, it says, was barren. How old was she when she had uh, Isaac? 90 years old. Man, I think about having kids now. Kill me. I saw Tessa up here when she's obviously, where are you, Tessa? 
Raise your hand, Tessa. Oh, how long, far along are you? 28 weeks. They're young and strong. They can deal with this. <laughs> She's going, no, 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 no. But she, they're young. Tessa and Jay are young. They, but 90 and 100? But that's what's happening here. Sarah is barren. She's 90. Abraham's 100. But look what it says in verse 11. He was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who made the promise. Abraham was thinking, God said it. That settles it. I believe it. Second part. Abraham was just one man. Verse 12. Abraham, I love this part, was as good as what? Dead. In Romans, I got to do this. Got to go to this cross reference here. In Romans chapter 4 and verses 18 through 21, just got to, because Paul does a super job on this. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be, he, uh, so shall your offspring be, without weakening in his faith, that's why he's such an awesome example, without weakening in his faith, because I weaken in mine all the time. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. No wonder he's such a spiritual stud. Wow. And what an incredible model for you and me for the impossibilities or the insurmountable problems that we face almost on a daily basis. I mean, I'm asking, what is yours today? Is there a situ listen, is there a situation that you're facing that's as good as dead, like Abraham's was? God can do anything with that. Faith brings the dead to life. It brings something from nothing through God's creative power. We're told that in the third verse of this chapter, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I want to tell you this on a personal level. This has been my go-to verse for so long. Okay, and I'll tell you why. Because I find myself in... And especially when I was full-time, 24-7 pastoring, I found myself in impossible situations all of the time where I didn't know what I was going to do. And life is that, you don't have to be a pastor. Life is that way. And I would go to this so many times and I would read this and read this and read this and it says, and so from this one man, and he as good as dead. And I'd say to the Lord, Lord, my situation is as good as dead. I don't know what to do. It's dead. And the Lord says, well, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise it to life. Okay? And he did. And my part was faith, and his part was taking something dead and making it alive again. Okay? Faith is our part in trusting God to bring something, whether it's resolution, clarification, direction, or provision out of apparently nothing. 
from situations that look difficult or dead. And that's as true individually, but it's true as a whole church, too. And again, this is not name it and claim it or blab it and grab it or word, faith, prosperity, gospel, nonsense, but true faith in God's great promises through his word and through the Holy Spirit. I love this quote. John MacArthur says this, God's power is for us to claim according to his will that the things claimed seem impossible has no bearing on the matter. The only hindrance to fulfillment is lack of faith. And Jesus said, all it takes is the faith the size of a mustard seed. I am so glad for that scripture. It doesn't mean we have to generate this awesome level of faith. and It just means we need a mustard seed of faith in a great God. So, ask God by his power to overcome the insurmountable problems you face by faith. And you'll see resolution, clarification, and provision in his time and in his way and for his glory. Let's go to the fourth thing we can learn about faith from Abraham. There's five altogether if you're counting. Faith enables us, Abraham teaches that faith enables us to face or deal with our unknowns. We pull the unknown into the known by faith in God. Faith enables us, Abraham teaches us, to trust in God's timing. Faith, we learn from Abraham, pulls the impossible into reality according to God's will and time. According to God's will and time. Not my will, God's will in his word and through the Holy Spirit. And then fourth, faith enables us to focus on our future home. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when you, have you ever taken a long trip? You have, in the car, like we did. We went to Yellowstone, what, a couple months ago, and long drive back, and I'll tell you, Montana's got the best rest stops. I don't know why I, it just had to share that with you. It's important, part of the message. But we would pull in, Montana's got it going when it comes to rest stops. And, you know, you ever get to the point where you really need to stop at a rest stop? You know? And uh, we would stop at these rest stops and we'd go, you know? The older you get, the more you have to stop at rest stops, by the way. <laughs> but uh, I'm saying things I shouldn't be saying here this morning. <laughs> but right now, Abraham stops at a rest stop. Okay, and this is what he says. Faith enables us to focus on our future home. Faith enables us to focus on our future home. Look at verse 10 and 13 through 16. You might have noticed I skipped verse 10 earlier. Here it is. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. How did Abraham cope with all of this craziness by focusing on heaven? Now look for verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. 
Therefore God is not ashamed to call, be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them and for us. Okay? Abraham, through all of the, this is how Abraham, one of the ways, reasons that Abraham made it through this craziness, he focused on heaven. And I've said this before, Pastor Mitch, you're not going to tell us to be really heavenly minded because you know what they say, to be so heavenly minded is to be no earthly good. I say the more heavenly minded we are, the more earthly good we are. You can't think about heaven too much. I don't think. And Abraham's focus was on heaven. He was on eternity. He was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Do, how often have you thought about heaven this week? Be honest. Not much, probably. I haven't either. I re, I, generally, I don't think about heaven. I get too embroiled with this place. You with me on that? You know, I get too embroiled. That's why I've really cut down on my news watching. I just have. I, I'm sorry. I, I just don't watch much. I watch, I'll watch a little, but Deb will tell you, I just don't watch as much anymore. Why? I'm trying to think about heaven more. Not, not escapism, but a focus on my future. I mean, you think about the earthly cities that we're, we live near. They're run down, dirty, defaced, and dangerous. When you think about the city we're going to, totally designed by God in his mind, built with his hands, filled with the love and safety and glory of Christ. A glorious city. If you want more, Revelation 21 will give you a little bit more. But really, it's a beyond our imagination. Randy Alcorn in his book, Heaven, says, if heaven is anything you can imagine, that it is nothing. Because you can't imagine it. And although it was a dim reality, all of these Old Testament saints and the New Testament ones too had faith in the ultimate reality of heaven. Heaven appears more than 600 times in the Bible. It says in verse 13, they welcomed it from a distance. It filled them with hope and endurance. They admitted they were foreigners and strangers. They were looking for a country of their own, a heavenly one, verse 14. And God is not ashamed of them, for he has prepared a city for them, you think about how glorious our universe is now in its fallen state. What's our heavenly city going to be like? And that says here in verse 15 and 16, God is not ashamed of them, us. In other words, if we've trusted God in his Christ, he will not be ashamed to be identified with us. But he's prepared for us an eternal city and will honor us. And what's it saying here? It's saying that it is therapeutic to think about heaven. It's strengthening and hopeful and uplifting to think about heaven. And we as Christians have every right and obligation and incentive to think ab about the fact in a very short amount of time we are going to the heavenly city to dwell with Jesus forever. And this place can take a long walk off a short pier, right? The most positive thing you can do this week as a Christian is think about the fact that one day soon you and I will be forever with the Lord in heaven in eternal future glory. And God tells us to do this. 
You say, I'm just escaping. No, God's set. What did Jesus say in the Gospel of John? Let me read it to you since you asked, okay? John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust in, also in me. In my Father's house, there are many, I like the King James, mansions. NIV says rooms. I don't know. Rooms just doesn't turn me on as much as a mansion. But I got sent to my room a lot when I was a kid. You know? I didn't get sent to a mansion, all right? In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it was not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. You know, I think about that. Maybe this is just me taking this out of context. But I think about Genesis. It says God said, let there be, right? Just please say yes. But it didn't say God prepared the universe. It said he let there be light, let there be but here it says he prepares something. How much greater is our place of heaven than what this place, as glorious as it is when he made it, is? Just a thought. It just hit me this week. Okay, I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. He says, look, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be filled with anxiety and worry and consternation. You're going. Think about it. You Think about it. Because when you think, and I think about heaven just as kind of magical, if I can use that word, probably not the right word, it happens. It cures us from discouragement and disappointment and feeling unappreciated. Some of you feel unappreciated today. Or fatigued, or tempted, or tried, or feeling sorry for yourself. Thinking about heaven is the cure for that. And not only that, the more we think about heaven, the more we act like it. You can't think about heaven and act earthly. They, they, don't, they don't work together. The more I think about heaven, the more I hate sin and want to live for God because that's where I'm going and that's where he's taking me. So ask God to help you focus on heaven more by faith and you'll be encouraged. And then let's, let's finish up with this one. The fifth thing that we can learn about faith from Abraham is that faith enables us to get through our most dark and difficult times. Faith the kind of faith that Abraham expressed enables us to get through the most dark and difficult times that we'll face in life. Let's go to verses 17 through 19. By faith Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. Just imagine what is going through Abraham's mind here when God says, I want you to sacrifice your son. God had told Abraham to offer Isaac his only son as a sacrifice, even though God had told Abraham that it was through Isaac that Abraham's many promised offspring would come in Genesis chapter 15. It says, your offspring will be like the, the, the stars in the sky. 
So kill the one that's coming through. And then not only that, but think about how much Isaac meant to Abraham and Sarah. I mean, he was, he and Sarah's only son. All of his expectations and plans were in Isaac. And those expectations and plans were about to be put to death, crushed. And I love this, and you ought to love it too, and I love it. Abraham's faith stood strong. And that's, that's where you know you're growing up as a Christian. When stuff is dark and your faith is staying strong. You're not pressing the panic button. Now, that's what we aspire to. It's not always where we go, but that's what we aspire to. God came through for Abraham and he provided, and I want you to hear these two words because I'm going to go right into the conclusion here in just a matter of seconds. God, hear me now. Now I'm going to ask you to repeat it. I have not asked for an amen this morning. I hope you notice that. But I'm going to ask for, for you to repeat something. God provided another way. Amen. Oh, I said I didn't ask for an amen. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. I like amens. Amens for a preacher like a strike for an umpire. You know, they just love it. Okay. But I want you to repeat something after me. God provided another way. I want you to say another way with me. Together, another way. Some of you need another way because your plans and your expectations have been hurt and crushed. Things aren't going the way you thought they would. God is allowing things that, that really are, you struggle with. And you think, this is, is, is not working. Another way out of the box. And where do you and I come in? Exercising, standing in, what? Faith. I didn't say this was easy, but it is simple. It's not easy. Believe me, I've been trying to practice this. This is sometimes tough, but it's what God wants from us, faith. And he won't let us down. Faith. If we have dark or difficult or discouraging circumstances or we're struggling with doubt and God's taking our Isaac and he's saying put him to it to death, then you just say, God, I have faith in you. I have faith in you. You'll, you'll open the doors to the next place I need to go or what I need to do. You will, I trust you with a faith as a grain of a mustard seed. And he will. He will. He will provide another way. And we know the story of Isaac. Just as Abraham's raising the knife, what's caught over there in the thicket? A ram. And he says, oh, there's another way. Right at the last minute. God's never late, but boy, he doesn't ever seem to be early, does he? But he will. And he's working in your life right now and he's saying, you need faith. Okay, so this is the last thing I wanted to say basically was how do we get it? If that's what we need right now, how do we get it? Well, look at verse six. Starts there in Hebrews 11. I didn't, you're gonna have to either open your Bible there or listen. 
Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's number one. You've got to believe that he exists, that he is the God who is faithful, the biblical God, and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's number one. Number two, you need to realize or you need to just spend time with God. And guys, this is the great unknown right now. No less than 11 times in Abraham's, in the, the Chronicle of Abraham, verse 12, or chapters 12 through 25 in Genesis, no less than 11 times did God appear visually or audibly to Abraham. What, gave, what enabled him to have this kind of faith? Contact with God. And I've never heard anyone say that about Abraham. But I noticed it one time. God keeps showing up in his life. No wonder he has such great faith. And that's true of you and I. No time with God equals not much faith. But if we, if we, if we hunker down and get into this book and into prayer and into fellowship, funny thing, God will appear to us through his word and prayer and through the Holy Spirit. That will inspire our faith and make the things we're going through shrink and God expand in our mind. I love what J. Graham Machen said. The more we know of God, the more unreservedly we'll trust him. So that's number two. Believe that he is and he's a rewarder of that diligently seek him, spend time with him, and then ask God for more faith. God never says in this book called the Bible that we have to crank faith out of our own flesh. Never, not once. In those words, so to speak. In fact, all faith is given by God. Faith for our salvation is given by God. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, not a work, so that no man can boast, Ephesians tells us. Even the faith to become a Christian comes from God. Amen. And then what is, what are, what's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5? Well, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, faith meekness, self-control. That comes from the Holy Spirit. Ask him for this faith. You say, I'm struggling. Well, then ask him for faith. It doesn't have to be more than a mustard seed. Remember that. It doesn't have to be, but it has to be at least, a, should be at least of a mustard seed. I, sometimes I have a half a mustard seed. I say, Jesus, will half be enough? Because right now, this is tough. It's kind of like the Lord says, yeah, half's good. <laughs> you know, quarter would be good. God's not there going, I don't know if that's a whole mustard seed or not. I just... that's, that's a, it's an expression of not the amount of faith in God, but faith in a great God. Ask him for it. You say, well, you don't know what I'm facing. I don't have to know what you're facing. Okay? Jesus promised that if we have a mustard seed of faith, he'll provide for us at the right time. Declare your faith in God to him for what you're facing in life. And that, those are the great things about faith that we can learn from Abraham. Now, 
Let's go out and apply those things. And the last thing is this. Abraham's calling in verse 8 is a picture of Christian conversion. Okay? God reaches out for us out of his grace in Christ. And even though we were dead in our sin, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us, he calls us to himself and he saves us and he sets us on a new course, a new direction to a new destination. Would you like that new destination like Abraham? Maybe you're not a Christian or you're watching from home today. This is what your part in this is. Repent of your sin. Repentance means having a change of mind resulting with a corresponding change in behavior. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent from your sin. Change your direction. Believe by faith for the forgiveness of your sins and that Christ died for those sins on the cross. And then through faith, follow him as your Lord and Savior. And if you do that, you'll be a child, not just of Abraham, but of God in Christ. Just like Abraham was. And so I just want to close this morning. We all face things, man. We face stuff. Individually, we're facing it as a church. God bless Cedar Home. God has great things in store for us in the future. Make Abraham your model for what you're going through today and, and for the rest of your life. And, and God will open up doors for you and I that will make us grow and blossom and bloom and flower and expand in our walk with him. Let's stand together as we pray, okay? Father God, you are the God of Abraham. And you tell us that in Scripture. Jesus said that. You have given us a model of how to deal with our unknowns and with your timing and with the impossibilities that we face and to focus on heaven and how to deal with our dark, difficult, discouraging, and doubtful times. It's the faith of Abraham. And I pray for each person here today as they are, as they are some people here, there's a tear in their eye or a lump in their throat or an ache in their heart because they're facing things and they don't have all the answers. Lord, you've just given us the answer. Faith in the God who can do all things. So now our part now is to trust you, Lord. Help these people here, us, me, I, them, we, who face difficulties to say, Lord, you're faithful and I trust you. Thank you for working for me. And I keep trusting you until you do. Lord, we thank you that you're a faithful God, that you've taught us how to grow in the Christian life, how to mature, how to uh, see you work in dramatic ways. And Lord, take the glory and give us the full blessing of that. And we prayed in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Have a great week. God bless you.